You're listening to The Deeper Dive Podcast, hosted by Pastor Jamie Collins. Deeper Dive is a ministry of Jamestown Church located in Conway, South Carolina. Each podcast will dig deeper into a recent sermon topic or something from the news or culture that has a Christian worldview component. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Now, here's Pastor Jamie. Hey, everybody. Pastor Jamie here. This is actually the second attempt at recording the podcast this week. The first attempt failed miserably. Um, Not really sure what happened, so we're going to give it another try. This will probably be an even shorter, deeper dive. Uh, But what I felt led to talk about this week on the podcast is to address some of the issues surrounding the Southern Baptist Convention um, it's not a podcast I look forward to to doing, and we'll get back to normal programming hopefully next week. But I have been approached by a couple of people here at church, and they were asking about the SBC being in the news and what was going on. And um, I took an opportunity at after our quarterly business meeting Wednesday before last, before dismissing in prayer to kind of catch everybody up. Um, that that was here in attendance that night with, with what was going on. Um, and and it's, this is not going to be, I know this is the Deeper Dive podcast, we're not going to take a deep dive into this issue. It would just take too long um, to do that. Um, but again, I wanted to address some of the, the main things happening that will hopefully catch everybody up, kind of summarize what was going on or what is going on within the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, I, I know a lot of people follow news a little bit, but if, if you're like me, you spend more time just reading headlines, um, catching bits and pieces um, on television and in, in, in the news. And for a lot of people, um, and this, this story involving the Southern Baptist Convention and sexual abuse has been in every major news outlet in the country. Um, so it's it's been a big deal, um, and some people have that have approached me. I, I believe they feel like this is the first first they've heard of it. Like this came out of out of nowhere. But if you've been following the news now, um, what is what is coming out in the news now is actually um, the result of something that started a few years ago. We would have to go back even farther to the year two thousand seven, I believe. Uh, when some of these things were being discussed within the convention, and unfortunately nothing was ever done about it, and then a few years ago uh, a huge investigative piece was done by the Houston Chronicle and I think another team of reporters. Um, I'm not going to try to remember their names, but it it came out in in the news. And it was a, a bombshell report, and it was, it was heartbreaking to read about sexual abuse within the Southern Baptist Convention. And without getting into how the Southern Baptist Convention is, is structured, um, I, I, do have to, I do have to share a little bit to let you know how we got to this point. The Southern Baptist Convention is a little different than most other denominations in in how we're structured each church has autonomy and what that means is they are their own church we come together as a convention 
in large part to partner together to do missions. Um, of course, the chief way we do that as Southern Baptist is through the cooperative program. Uh, each church within the convention, as they are so led, uh, can donate money to the cooperative program. And then, of course, it is uh, divided among International Mission Board, North American Mission Board, some Baptist entities, and all of those things. So the Southern Baptist Convention, they have no day-to-day control or input in how churches are, individual churches are ran, what pastors are hired. And so I mentioned 2007 a minute ago, after the scandal um, with the Catholic Church and the their mishandling of sexual abuse. Um, you know, it, it, questions started to be asked, hey, what are what are Southern Baptists doing? What is the Southern Baptist Convention doing to safeguard itself? Because even then, you could hear the whispers that there were allegations of sexual abuse um, by ministers, staff people, volunteers within in churches. And... It came up on the floor of the convention uh, to create a database to better monitor and track uh, predatory behavior by people who see the church, unfortunately, as um, a place they can go, they can hide, they can gain access in many cases to children and young people. And unfortunately, it's those children and young people that are uh, the majority of the victims of, of sexual abuse within the church. And, um, but at that time, um, those in, in authority of the Southern Baptist Convention said it's just not possible for us to create a database like that, in large part because that would vi- violate local church autonomy. If we tried to tell churches, hey, you can't hire this person to be your children's pastor or even your senior pastor. Um, I was not very involved at that time within the uh, inner workings of the convention. I had never been to a Southern Baptist convention uh, at that time. Now, I try to be more involved and try to participate and go and, and keep up with what's going on. Another interesting part about the structure of the Southern Baptist convention is we're only technically a convention two days out of the year in June. When we meet together, we vote on motions and things of that, that nature. I'm, I'm going through this quickly, I know. You can read all about this on sbc.net and things like that. Um, so what is decided yearly at the convention is then implemented and carried out on a day-to-day basis in large part by a group called the Executive Committee. Uh, and that's made up of pastors and lay people within the Southern Baptist Convention. And the convention has like an executive director and other staff people that work, um, you know, yearly, every day with the, with the convention and, and the leadership and with the executive committee. Um, so here's what the report uncovered, um, that there was um, allegations of sexual abuse by ministers, volunteers within Southern Baptist churches. There were allegations of sexual abuse on some of our seminary campuses, and um, the, the, the report revealed uh, a couple of things that are heartbreaking um, in regard to how we as Southern Baptists were handling these allegations. And, and here's just in, in, and I'm not reading any of this. Unfortunately, I've read enough. I can just 
regurgitate this, uh, unfortunately, which is why I'm trying to stay away from names and facts, because without things in front of me, I don't want to misspeak. But among the the allegations was that at, at times people were making claims of sexual abuse and um, they were completely ignored. They were just completely ignored. In some cases, um, one very glaring case, uh, there was a, a, a crime of sexual abuse on one of our seminary campuses um, and the victim you know, made this this allegation and you know, they were encouraged to ignore it, do not report it to police. And a lot of times that's what's been going on within our within our churches. You know, let's let's not make this a big deal. This could cause a church split or, um, you know, this is going to bring attention on us. It's going to make us look bad. And so that's at the local church level, at the Southern Baptist Seminary level and at the executive level of the Southern Baptist Convention. There were similar motivations. It was like, no, if we admit this or if we entertain this, this could lead to more. This could lead to lawsuits. Um, this this may hurt our cooperative program program giving, and you know this is going to violate uh, individual church autonomy. So so in many cases, these allegations were completely ignored. In other cases, the victims of sexual abuse making the the claims were were mistreated. These cases were mishandled. Um, that just and, and this just compounded the hurt and pain that these victims uh, were going through. And of course, when the denomination, the convention decided not to create a, a database, this would allow some churches, even if the church said to the person guilty of sexual abuse, "You know, you're you're fired. You can't work here. You can't volunteer here." There was nothing stopping the abusers from going to another church, perhaps even another state. Um, so all of the, the, the report re- revealed that, and I mean in, in the hundreds, in the hundreds, uh, cases and allegations of sexual abuse, credible allegations, I, I should say, of sexual abuse among Southern Baptist churches on seminary campuses and things like, like that. Um, so even though... The executive committee, those in leadership at the time, said we can't create a, a database. Um, there were two leaders. I know one was an was an attorney. Not going to mention his name. You can read it in the report if you want to. I may even mis mispronounce it. I don't want to say the wrong wrong person again. Don't want to misstate the facts um, in re, in regard to specific people. Uh, but there were there was an attorney who had worked for the Southern Baptist Convention as legal counsel for like 40 years. And there was another, I, I don't know if it was a law partner or somebody within the denomination at that time, they began compiling a list, and they were using some, some way to track the, these cases that when it was reported in a local news report or, or paper or broadcast that someone within the Southern Baptist Convention had been accused of sexual abuse, they would, they would keep a list of it. So for like a decade, uh, two key leaders at, at the executive level of the Southern Baptist Convention were, were compiling a list of those accused of sexual abuse allegations, but nothing was done about it. Nothing was done about it, no investigation, no reaching out to the victim, 
um, no attempt to console or provide counseling or or to notify the authorities of what was going on. So so really, you know, in in short, what this investigative report revealed was that we have a problem here within the Southern Baptist Convention, like other denominations, like other institutions. Um, we, we have a problem at the local church level. Uh, we have issues at, at times at the Baptist entity level. That would be our, our seminaries or maybe our mission board. And, um, of course, at the executive level. So... Long story short, maybe it's too late for that, at um, last year's convention, which I was a part of, uh, the messengers, that is, those in attendance that have the right to vote, overwhelmingly approved the establishment of a sexual abuse task force. And um, funds were designated to hire, uh, to hire an outside investigative firm called Guidestone, who specialize in, in things like, like this to work with the task force, to, to basically investigate credible claims of sexual abuse within a certain period of time, and I can't remember the, the exact number of, of years. And um, the result of that was released a few weeks ago, actually on a Sunday afternoon. And um, you can access that, that full re report, the SBC uh, Sex Abuse Task Force report. And, um, and, and, of course, they basically confirmed what the investigative piece revealed uh, in, in, in even greater detail uh, to me as a Southern Baptist pastor to understand uh, what, what we as a, as, as a convention, what we need to know, what really on, only a certain amount of people, few people at the very top knew was, was going on within the convention. Now we know. And our worst fears were, were realized. Um, and even on a personal level, um, within the, re within the re report, one of, one of my heroes um, was named in the report as be being credibly accused of sexual assault. Um, of course, I'm talking about Johnny Hunt, um, and, and I'm not letting any cat out of the bag. It's public knowledge. He, too, has been in the, in the news. Now, he vehemently denies that there was any uh, abuse in, involved. It was a moral failing. He does admit that. Um, so I, but I, I would just say um, that that's how thorough this, this re report was. And you, know, you got, you got a man like Johnny Hunt, I mean, who's been a lit leader, past president of the Southern Baptist Convention, still was on staff with the North American Mission Board. And uh, he has since stepped down of, of course. So, so this, this task force, I feel like they, they did a very thorough job um, in their investigation. So when their report was released and Johnny Hunt's name was, was there and, and then they, they re revealed some of the things that we as Southern Baptists have failed to do properly um, for, for a number of, of years, they, re they revealed their report. So it was back in the news. It was back in, in the news, and that's why you have seen SBC, Southern Baptist, perhaps even Johnny Hunt, um, and, and sexual abuse in the news once again. Now, there's, there's no pastor that, that wants 
you know, within the Southern Baptist Convention wants to read and, and see this. But it, it is important for us to know because this is truth. This is truth, and it's heartbreaking. And we as Southern Baptists, we need to be heartbroken. We need to lament. We need to pray that, that we will do, do better um, than we have done in, in the past. And, um, you know, a, apologies have been made, but we understand Everybody understands that all of this, this pain, there's nothing we can do about, about the, the pain now. What we can do as a denomination and as a, as a convention is strive to do better. Um, of course, there's 47,000 churches within the Southern Baptist Convention. That's a lot of Baptist people. Not everybody is in agreement about what to do now. In fact, there was even disagreement over whether or not the executive committee should waive privilege and turn over documents and emails and phone conversations and, and stuff to the uh, sex abuse task force. And, of course, again, the messengers overwhelmingly said, we want you to waive privilege. Some lawyers at the top said, you're opening yourself up to liability. We said it's the right thing to do, and we did. That led to people stepping down. Um, one of the, the lawyers, key figures that um, in my opinion, hid and covered up a lot of this, this stuff. And I don't know his full motivation, but he did. Um, he is no longer serving in that capacity. Our executive director stepped down. It's been a, it's been a big deal. It's been a big, a big shakeup. Um, but I do feel like the right thing was, was done, um, in uncovering this. Now we know how big the, the problem is. Now, of course, we understand this. There was like 700 names, I believe, or 700 uh, allegations of, of abuse over that period of time that they investigated. And they had this, this list of, of names of people who had been credibly accused. Um, they did release those, those names. There were some redactions um, where a claim could not be um, verified those names were redacted but the overwhelming majority of the list was was released there were some victims who felt vindicated that at last their abusers and and their moral failings their crimes they were brought to light and while that does not take away what happened uh, it does give a, a degree of justice and I'm not saying that many of them have said that which is what's most important and what's important now, as I said, is that we as Southern Baptists do the right thing going forward. Um, and some of those things are already happening. A hotline has been instituted um, or implemented where people can can call in and, and make a credible claim. And uh, they can be given uh, a referral to licensed counseling, and those claims will be investigated. And uh, with the report, uh, the task force is always uh, also given a list of recommendations of things that we need to do going forward. Of course, some of these things are going to cost money, which means the convention will have to vote on that and, and approve that. But I feel really good about, about those recommendations they're making. Of course, they're making those recommendations with the help of, of Guidepost. And I believe Guidepost, is, uh, they've already been hired to kind of help us maintain that, that hotline. Um, we're also going to, I believe, implement a database. I don't know what it's, I don't know what it's going to look like, how it's going to work. Um, but hopefully never again will we have credible claims of sexual abuse swept under the rug. 
Hopefully never again will we have victims who on top of the pain they've uh, incurred from whatever crime was committed against them, we will not be compounding the problem uh, by marginalizing or treating them as, as less important than, than God sees them. And uh, so, again, there, there will be more in the news, I'm sure, at least I hope. I, I hope these major news outlets will report on what Southern Baptists are doing now about this, this problem. And of course, we meet in a couple of weeks, and uh, you know I, I know how I know how I would vote in regard to some of these recommendations. And I know there are some who say, "Well, this is just going to distract from the gospel, and this is going to take money from from missions." Um, but that is really foolish and short-sighted, in in my opinion, because if we cannot stand up for victims, and if we cannot ensure that we are morally right in the eyes of the world, the world will never listen and receive the life-saving message of the gospel. Um, and I think the overwhelming majority of Southern Baptists feel that, that way. I will say this, if you're a member of Jamestown and you're listening to this, you may be thinking, well, what, what do we do here at Jamestown? Well, already uh, we have always made it a point to do background checks on all of our employees, and um, even on our volunteers, we're, we're go- going to make sure we have our procedures followed. We don't want any adult alone with a, with a child. We want to utilize the buddy system. And, and of course, any, any claim of sexual abuse um, that, that comes to me um, in any way, and, and I'm, I'm telling our staff the same thing, any, any claim that, that comes, we contact the authorities. And uh, we let them sort things out. That is what their job is to do. Um, so if you are a member, and even if you're not a member of our, our church, pray for our church. Pray for all churches that, that we will take the necessary steps to, to protect um, children and young people. And, um, you know, I've also been reminded in the, in the course of, of all of this stuff that I'm sure with, with a church even our size, there are there are people within our congregation that that have faced the, the pain of sexual abuse or some sort of abuse, and um, you know some startling figures have been been revealed things I, I didn't know, um, and and one of those uh, and I, I don't have it exactly right I'm I'm sure, but it's fewer than ten percent of abusers are ever arrested and and convicted of the crimes that they committed. Uh, we also know that there's a lot of abuse cases that are never even, never even stated or, or made for fear of the blowback on on the victim, which is which is terrible. Um, and, and we we do know that in in regard to claims of sexual abuse, it is like a minuscule number. And I know it happens, and that's why I've tried to use the word credible claims of sexual abuse. I know there are false claims made. Um, the FBI puts that number, however, at fewer than, than 8%. Um, but that doesn't mean it doesn't happen, which is why Guidepost has a uh, procedure and protocol in, in place to ensure that uh, before a person's put on a list or labeled as a child molester or a sexual abuser, um, that, that that claim is is credible. 
And of course, that that wouldn't mean the person goes to jail. That's a separate issue. What what the court and the legal system does. But we as churches, I just feel like we have a mandate to protect children and to protect young young people or or women or any any victim of of sexual abuse or abuse of, of any kind. And I know this is probably going to be a jumbled mess. Um, I hope I have made a little bit of sense. Um, and giving kind of a past history, where we are now, what we're going to do going forward, what we're doing here at Jamestown. But if you have any questions about that or about the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, please reach out to us. My email is on our website, jamestownbaptist.com. Um, next week, we'll not deal with such a heavy topic. We'll, we'll get back to uh, something, something else. But I hope this has been informative and helpful to you, and I hope to have another podcast next week. Have a great weekend. Thanks so much for listening to the Deeper Dive Podcast. Please subscribe, review, and be watching for the next episode. For further information or to reach Pastor Jamie, go to www.jamestownbaptist.com. You can also follow Pastor Jamie on Twitter at Pastor James 3 Until next time. Our hope for you comes from 2 Corinthians 13, 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.